Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the program. It is the first Tuesday of this month of June, and that means it's time for our monthly check-in with State Senator Doris Turner, who just recently wrapped up the legislative session that adjourned just a few days ago. Senator, as always, thanks for taking the time. Great to have you on the program. Always said to visit with you, Jim. Well, I want to start by talking about the, the biggest thing the legislature did this spring and every spring is pass a state budget, and you were one of a, a handful of Democratic no votes on that budget. Why did you vote no? So I will tell you that it was a uh, 50-plus billion dollar budget, and there were a lot of really, really great things in there. The money that we put uh, for education and seniors and workforce development and a lot of other great things. But there, I was really concerned about the pay raise. Um, that was something that gave me pause. And then I really was hoping that we could have put a little bit more money towards the LGDF. Um, you know, so that municipalities could get a little bit more relief. You know, that's something that's pretty near and dear to me because, you know, I have a pretty unique, um, you know, experience than some of my other colleagues having served on the Springfield City Council. And I understand that municipalities really, you know, could use that extra money. And while we did put more money towards it, you know, we uh, bumped it up quite a bit. I think it was like about $111 million dollars or a little bit more that went towards that. Those are the two things that really just kind of, you know, gave me some concern. Well, let's talk a little bit about each of those. Uh, one, uh, the, the pay raise. Lawmakers uh, are getting a pay raise under this budget. You were opposed to that. So does that mean you're going to reject the pay raise when it shows up in your paycheck? You know, I'm going to take the same approach that I took a year ago. Um, and uh, there's really no good way that you can reject the pay raise. So what I do is I always uh, give mine to charity. That's what I did with the pay raise last year, and that's what I intend to do again this year. And uh, as far as the uh, the money, the uh, LGDF, the Local Government Distributive Fund, and this is something that uh, a lot of local governments were pushing for to get back to a level of uh, now, uh, help me out here. I've heard the figure of 10%. I'm not exactly sure 10% of what that refers to, but that's what they used to get in, in LGDF funding. And now it's down around 6% or so, if I understand correctly. Is, is that accurate? Well, I don't think there was any ever anything that was set legislatively that said 10%. I think that that's kind of where it was at that 10%. But during the uh, Bruce Reiner years, that went down significantly. And it went up a little bit last year, and then we increased it. And so now it's like right around, I want to say 6.6%. Okay. And, you know, and while that's, that's not the 10% that some municipalities are used to getting in the past, it is a significant increase over, you know, what has happened over these last last few years but you cited that as a concern where did you want to see that level get to if not 10 percent, where where did you want it set you know i just you know i was as, as a matter of fact last year i talked to this was an issue that i talked about last year and really pushed to have an increase and we were able to do that and so i just really felt like that this year may be the year that we could you know put just kind of get it as close to the 10 percent as we possibly could um you know, and again, we got it. We got a little bit more, but not quite where I would have liked to have had it. I really didn't, to be honest with you, I really didn't have a figure in mind. I I knew that the 10% was not going to be something that we would be able to do. I mean, we have to look realistically at all of these things. 
you know, everybody comes with a long wish list of what they would like to see in that budget. And, you know, like I said, we had like a 50, 50.2 billion dollar budget. And even though it was a lot of great things in there, we couldn't do everything. And so, you know, we, we had to, you know, just kind of settle. And so this was, you know, something that we had to settle. But I will tell you that municipalities are happy. They're happy that we did, you know, provide a little bit more funding for them because I think everybody is going to start to fill the pinch. You know, think about it. The last couple of years, we were really pretty blessed with ARPA money and other uh, funding from the federal government due to, you know, COVID. And so now everybody's trying to do live post-COVID funding. And lots of people had their hands out in this budget, and we know that the state got some revenue estimates that were uh, lower than what they were originally thinking perhaps earlier in the budget process there. Uh, One pretty controversial line item in this budget was uh, throwing in uh, a lot of additional money to pay for health care for undocumented adults in the state. Uh, And while it wound up not allocating as much as the estimated billion or so uh, additional dollars that were being talked about. Uh, There was, I think, uh, what, about a half a billion that was put in there along with some tools, quote-unquote, the governor says he can use to try to keep those costs under control. Were you okay with that money uh, in the budget, or or did we uh, invest too much into that? You know, I I think that it'll it'll prove to be about the right right amount. And then again, uh, you're absolutely right. There's some relief that we will get from the federal government that will be helpful. And then, um, you know, there's the governor talked about the different tools that he will be able to work with that will also provide some additional um, funding. And uh, and I think that all of that will, you know, balance, balance itself out. You know, sometimes we look at, um, you know, what we put our money towards. And if you look at it in a vacuum, you uh, can kind of say, well, we really shouldn't be doing that. But you know, if you look at it in its totality, if there's any one part of a community that does not have access to health care at the most basic sense, that really does put the entire community at risk. So, you know, we have to look at it from that from that vantage point as well. Talking with State Senator Doris Turner about the legislative session just concluded. Uh, you did secure some funding for a number of local projects and uh, perhaps one of the biggest outlays, $1.2 million toward the Pillsbury project, uh, finally clearing that site and hopefully redeveloping it. What, uh, what impact is that money going to have? You know, I think it's going to have a significant impact. As you know, Jim, I'm a, I'm a North End girl. Um, spent a lot of time in in the North End around that site, uh, and um, I represented Pillsbury while I was on the Springfield City Council, and I was really very involved when we had the federal EPA come in and do that cleanup. And I know what what that whole situation put that entire community at risk. And um, you know, just like I said before, if there's any part of your community that's at risk, it puts your entire city at risk. And so I was, um, I was excited to be able to secure funding for Pillsbury to kind of move that along. The other thing, you know, with the um, mind subsidence issue with Lutheran High School, uh, you know, I was able to secure some funding to support them as they look to for um, you know a new site to be able to continue those children's education. 
And, um, you know, my the new part of my district, Chatham, when I was campaigning, I spent a lot of time in Chatham, and they were having some significant issues with their uh, public safety buildings. So we were able to secure some funding for that as well. So, you know, I really have always said that no matter what legislative body I'm serving in, I try to be as, as you know, present and um, engaged in that community as possible. And so if you look at the uh, legislative priorities that I was able to champion, I think that that uh, bears that out, that I really was, you know, engaged and present in each part of my district. Another bill that uh, you got a lot of attention for was the one to create a state flag commission that did get through the General Assembly. Uh, has Governor Pritzker taken action on that yet? Has he indicated to you what he intends to do with that bill? And, and where do we go from here with it? Senate Bill 1818. You know, Jim, I sent about 10 or 11 bills to the governor's desk this session. And that was the one that got more attention than any of the other bills that, that I worked on. And I think that is very exciting. And he had not signed it yet, but I look forward to him to him signing it and putting that commission in place and moving forward. I think that it is a phenomenal way to engage the community and get people excited about Illinois. And um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to what we what we find from it. I've already had people to start uh, contacting me, wanting to be a part of the commission. Some young people. And uh, people have already started actually to submit some flag designs. So there's a lot of there's a lot of buzz about it from throughout the entire state. So I'm excited about that one. Has the governor indicated he will in fact sign it? Has he told you that? He hasn't told me that, but I I think he will. Okay. And uh, what's the timeline on that then, as far as establishing that commission and then the commission coming back with some recommendations? So the commission will come back with some recommendations uh, December. And, uh, and then, and the other thing that I think is important that people know, just because the commission comes, whatever the commission comes back with doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to happen. All of that will still go back to the General Assembly for action. So, you know, nobody should get upset. The General Assembly will still be the ones to weigh in on everything. Another bill of yours that got a lot of attention but did not actually get through the General Assembly was the one uh, to require EMTs to wear body cams. This in response to the death of a man while he was in the care of EMTs in Springfield back in December. Uh, do you uh, intend to bring that bill back this fall? And do you think you'll have any better luck with it if you do try to move it through again? You know, I will tell you, Jim, that there are a lot of pieces of legislation that, you know, make get introduced and, and um, talked about and debated over a, a course of several years before they actually find their way to the governor's desk. And I think I think that that is a very important piece of legislation. And I will continue to have those conversations with stakeholders and see if we can uh, find a way to move forward. Because like I said, I think it's a very important piece of legislation. And I will tell you that um, I didn't have anyone come to me and say that they didn't agree with it, that it was a bad piece of legislation. I think it's just a matter of of uh, some things that we work out and, and, how we get, and how we get there. So I'm going to continue to have those conversations and not uh, give up on it. 
Well, and one of the concerns, as I recall, was that there, there was a, a fear that uh, that footage could ultimately be used, say, in a lawsuit. Uh, if uh, a patient had a bad outcome, that may not be related to any misconduct on the part of an EMT, but it, that could still uh, become something uh, ultimately used against them in a court of law. I, is that a concern, and is that a, a concern that you think can be resolved? You know, I think it is. The other issue that really, uh, I didn't hear too much about that one. The other issue that really came out was uh, more about privacy and the different uh, situations that can occur when people find themselves needing um, assistance from an EMT or, you know, if they find themselves in an ambulance and what type of assistance they're receiving. So that was really the big one was that whole privacy issue. And so, um, like I said, I'm continuing to have conversations with stakeholders and see how we can get that resolved in and how we can move forward. Because, again, nobody said that they thought it was a bad idea. It was just, you know, the processes that we need to work through. Senator, before I let you go, uh, one other thing I've been meaning to ask you about for a while, you were named to uh, the Agriculture Committee established by new Congresswoman Nikki Budzinski. I've known you for a long time, and I'm going to be honest, don't take this the wrong way. You never quite struck me as a farm girl. So what role are you playing on on, uh, the Congresswoman's (laughs) Ag Committee? That's interesting that you say that because, you know, Jim, I chair the Senate Ag Committee, Agricultural Committee as well. There you go. And um, so... You know, if you remember back when I was on the uh, Sangamon County Board, I represented a district that was a hybrid district that was part in the city, part in the county. And during that time, I really had a very, very good working relationship with the Sangamon County Board. And a lot of my colleagues were were farmers and had a big um, stake in agriculture. And I continued to have those relationships. And even when I went to the City Council continued that, and um, then when I went into the Senate, you know, started really championing a lot of agriculture-related issues. If you remember, the very first bill I ever passed in the Senate was a bill related to FFA, and um, and have been a big champion of agriculture over the course of all those years. So it's really a really a really good fit, um, and I've just really had a lot of success as ag chair in the senate you know i um did a lot of work that i think is going to pay dividends we did a lot of things around the exemption from sales tax for electric generation related to ag production which farmers are very very excited about and put some things into play that has actually grown ffa in illinois exponentially so, you know, we've been we've I have been working in that space for a long time. And so I think that it's a really good fit for me. And I was excited that she asked me to participate. So I think if you look at it from the standpoint of having that synergy from the state and the federal government, we'll be able to do a lot of really great things. And with that, we're out of time. State Senator Doris Turner, thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to talking to you again soon.